Welcome to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast, brought to you by Strata. I'm your host, Griffin Hamilton. This is the show where I interview industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights into modern day facilities management. From hospitality to commercial real estate and everything in between, we'll learn what it really takes to succeed as a facilities manager. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast. Today, I've got Chris Bunch with me with Pride Industries. Chris, how are you doing? Uh, doing well. How about yourself, Griffin? Doing quite well. I really appreciate you coming on. I know we've had a conversation here leading up to hitting the record button. I'm really excited to dive into what you guys are doing over at Pride. But before we do jump into that, why don't you give the audience a little bit of a background on who you are and uh, what exactly you do? All right. Well, my name's Chris Bunch. As I said, or as Griffin said, uh, I'm the vice president for our commercial facility services line for Pride Industries. Uh, that that's kind of a broad group, but basically anything that exists outside of the federal world uh, in the facilities space. That is uh, the role I fill. Um, been with Pride for a little over ten years. Uh, had familiarity with Pride and the organizations for for well over twenty. Um, but that's kind of my background. I, I, uh, grew up in the, um, construction trades, even when I was in the military, that's what I did. And actually that's kind of what first introduced me to pride. Uh, when I first got stationed in California, the first, first meal brought to me was served to me by pride industries, a person with disabilities, uh, went to work at my shop there at Travis Air Force Base and, and pride was, had a little paint shop right next door. They're mowing the grass. So er, very early on, you know, well over 20 years ago, got a, quite a bit of familiarity with what Pride does, how they try to find solution, service solutions for all types of customers, and, and how that impacts people with disabilities. Yeah, and we're going to go uh, dive into to what Pride is, and we're going to get to a lot of detail here, specifically around the facilities component of it. But high level, what, what is Pride Industries? What, what is the mission there? Well, probably the industry's mission is to create employment for people with disabilities. Um, whether that is in the own our business lines that we sell and service other customers with, or that's in placing people and helping support other employers, create an inclusive work environment for those individuals, and in some cases even staffing solutions and helping to train organizations on how to become more effective and create an inclusive work environment for for this population of. Of people in the U.S. That's incredible, and that's no small feat. And I know every day is uh, is certainly a challenge there, as with, I mean, just about every other organization, right? You've, you've got a lot of initiatives coming up, and uh, it takes a lot of manpower to do so. But you guys uh, are quite a large organization. You mentioned you've been familiar with them for you know the better part of two decades, and so uh, I'm sure that's been a journey to say the least. And I guess give me a little bit of context there on the history of Pride, how it started, and Kind of the direction you guys are going. Yeah. Well, uh, Pride kind of started off like any other nonprofit, you know, just a few people that wanted to do good thing. Specifically for us, we started in the basement of a church there, uh, St. Luke's Episcopal Church there in Auburn, California. Group of parents, all with uh, developmental di developmentally disabled children, got together and like, how do we create some kind of meaning for their path and create an opportunity for them that's not otherwise provided for in the market? Um. Fast forward, you know, that was a very kind of small, quaint operation until really what I would call 
the founder of who we are today came along, and that was a gentleman by the name of Mike Ziegler. Uh, he came along in the 1980s and really transformed Pride into what we would probably describe as one of the first true social enterprises in the U.S. And when I say that, that's, that's meaning that we provide commercially viable solutions. We compete in an open market against people that have no social mission with, with a full intent to provide a high-quality, high-business-value proposition to any of our customers. And, oh, by the way, when you hire us, there, there's an impact for folks that otherwise you wouldn't get anywhere else. And, you know, so with Mike's vision, we took that out. And from that moment, we grew to about 6,000 people that work for us today. We're the largest employer of people with disabilities in the U.S. 60% of that 6,000 are people that have some kind of disclosed disability. And we compete whether it's in the federal space, whether it's in my commercial space, manufacturing, logistics, or inclusive talent solutions, where we operate over a wide, wide area of services to make sure that we can make that vision come true. And, and we're just getting started. Yeah, and, and beyond the services, as far as different industries, if I'm listening right now and you know, you've know you got my, my interest here uh, as everyone is dealing with staffing now in particular, but that's always mm -hmm. been an issue, uh, what industries do you guys work with? Well, exclusively, and this is kind of so facilities is divided in two different markets, the federal space and the commercial space. But within that area, we provide landscaping, custodial uh, all of your hardcore O&M services we provide, uh, as well as we provide capital, capital project services as well. And then we're also an emerging line in critical and renewable energies to we're focusing on generators, UPS systems, battery backup, as well as solar energies, uh, all with the, the vision of trying to encompass that 80% of those operating expenses that happen in a, the life cycle of a building after it's built. We're trying to be a solution provider for that whole 80%. Um, and, and really the intent of that is not just to provide a value proposition to a customer and be that one-stop shop, but the more comprehensive that service envelope can be with a customer, the more opportunity there is to create an impactful environment for those folks that we're trying to create that inclusion for. And so that's our goal. Uh, we, we even in the federal space to kind of expand on what I just described there, we even have some areas where we're doing some food services, uh, commissary operations, those kind of things. And, and touching, touching a little bit on space management, a little bit on the real estate side, but not on large scale. And uh, that's something that we would hope potentially would be emergent learning for us in the future. Yeah, and I was going to ask, I mean, you're covering so much in facilities, and we've talked about this on the show. It's it, it's kind of hard to d describe and, and where it starts, where it begins, and where it ends, right? And right. so there's uh, – where where are you going beyond, you know, that laundry list of services that you guys already offer? What's what's next? What's, what's on the uh, upcoming agenda for you guys? Well, right now, I, I would say if you were trying to really ask me that question, it's to try to grow – our, our five core lines, the custodial landscaping, O&M, um, project services, and critical and renewable, those five established lines. Uh, we, we, have a, we have a big footprint throughout the U.S. We're currently in 15 states plus Washington, D.C. Um, commercially, we are very saturated in California. Um, 
it's a little little slower to grow outside of the state because when you're doing it commercially, obviously you got to be licensed to, as a service provider, whereas in federal space you don't. But we're trying to leverage that federal footprint to really grow what it is we're doing to, to provide a commercially viable solution to, to all sorts of customers all, nationwide um, and to really be, become that trusted partner, not just not just because we provide a social good, but because we provide a business value that, that meets and exceeds those of our competitors in the market space. So. And that was, that was gonna be my next question there because it sounds great and, and having that mission and that you know, feel good with working mm -hmm. with Pride, you know, at the end of the day, we're you know, running businesses, yep. right? Yep. Where we Absolutely. wanna make sure our facilities are up and running. So talk to me there, what, what's oh, yeah. different about hiring Pride? What is really uh, the main thing that you go back to and saying, here's what we're excellent at doing beyond just you know, it being a wonderful cause? Well, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, really what we focus in is on the basics of operational excellence in the building, right? On time performance, on budget performance. But I think also the area where we've begin and really began to grow is, is learning how to be a service provider that can inform the customer to the long-term investments that will drive their maintenance costs down. And that's really kind of where we've, we've you know, you take the typical KPIs that you would measure performance uh, performance of a facilities program on, but really learning how to drive that across the value chain and help customers migrate from a very reactive situation to where they have decaying buildings, uh, decaying, decaying infrastructure, uh, and, and in many cases, a, a stagnant maintenance perspective that is how how can I keep this 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 50 year old boiler running at top condition, but really been being a partner in guiding that path to the long-term plan and infrastructure of the building. Um, you know, and, and really, to be honest, every service that we offer is a part of that mix. You know, how, how, what's the most cost-effective way to, to build your landscape? How do we take in clean technologies in, in our cleaning? And how does that affect your air quality within the building? And, and really kind of finding the synergies and touch points between those service lines. And that's really where we, we excel. And that's just on the business side, right? We, we fully recognize that though people always want to feel good, at the end of the day, they, to your point, they have a budget, they have a mission for their company, right? And so as a service provider, your mission is our mission first, right? And to be able to hopefully add a value beyond what we would call a great business solution, but to add a value that you know that you're spending your money with a company that, though we don't have shareholders, we have stakeholders. And those stakeholders don't receive dividends in the same way a publicly traded company was. Those stakeholders are people that otherwise wouldn't have the opportunities that we, we afford. And uh, so, so it's really about providing a good solution at a great value, high quality service delivery, and then, oh, by the way, the dollars you spent went to something greater than just what happens in your building. Yeah, that's, that's uh, the cherry on top there. And, yeah. Uh, go, going back to the, the quality of service, that was something that we, we had touched on a little bit uh, prior to, to starting this conversation where there's some interesting statistic and, and statistics out there and data points that uh, you brought up of just mm -hmm. the difference that uh, it could make working with a pride and working with folks with disabilities. Well, one of the key things that I would say is that, 
you know, there, there's different groups of people that work in different service lines, but retention is a huge difference for us, right? And, and, the, and retention is really an outcome that spurs from employee engagement, right? And in, in a place like Pride, employee engagement is everything. And when you have people that otherwise don't have an opportunity to succeed or haven't found that pathway and you have a company that's willing to help them do that, it creates a bonding between the employer and the company. And that's why we experience far better retention rates than industry average across our service lines is because that is something they're bonded to us uh, and that helps us provide a more stable service delivery. Uh, we, we, we work that continuum from folks that everything from intellectual disabilities to physical barriers to, to even one that's near and dear to me is dis service disabled veterans and veteran community. We work the continuum, but we try to create that same bonding with each of those individuals. And what it does is it does stabilize the workforce. You know. So yeah, as kind of a slight example of that, you know, in, in many of the custodial custodial line of service is an example, right? Some employers experience as much as 300% turnover in a year. Our worst account, our most demanding account, experiences 67. Wow. And, and we work in some extraordinarily demanding environments. Prison healthcare, airports, uh, some things that really are pretty grueling on the customer, you know, for from a customer perspective to a performer inspector. And I imagine, and I guess let me ask you this, with your, your employees and your teams going out on site, they're there full time, 40 hours a week. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just, you know, one off task related, correct? That's correct. That, that is one thing that, you know, so to create that successful, inclusive environment, you typically are in a, a campus environment is a great example of success. Uh, where, where there's a consistent work schedule and predictable and you can kind of set up those planning events. Now, that's not to say that we don't do ad hoc services, but that's most likely with people, less people with disabilities and more people that are from outside of, outside of that spectrum. We, um, but to your, to your point, it's that stable campus environment that, that is the most successful for this. And I imagine beyond because you mentioned how that the retention is great. It's it's obviously something we are aiming for is to you know keep our employees, keeping them happy. But the inclusion and really the the culture that you guys have at Pride, I'm sure that can be felt on site as well from folks that aren't associated with Pride, and that has kind of a, a secondary effect there as well. It it certainly does, and you know that that's there's a there's a customer experience that happens. Uh, with particularly some of our individuals with disabilities, they're, they're so happy to be there. It exudes over into the customer experience. Um, we have a, and I'll bring up his name, but at Sacramento airport, this, this gentleman, Eric McCullough, he has won so many customer service awards. He's had so many customer comments. I mean, he's literally like a shining light out there you know, helping, helping passengers travel and you should see some of the messages that come into our board about Eric and what he's done for, for folks and their traveling experience. And, and that's Eric's, Eric's a great example of it, but that that's true over so many different places. So, 
Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not surprised to hear that in the least bit. Yeah. So. So. Um, but. Oh yeah, go ahead with your next one. Sorry. No, I, I was gonna. <laughs> the, the next beyond the the culture that it's creating and uh, kind of like I mentioned the, the secondary effects that um, it can be felt working with pride. I kind of want to look ahead and change gears a little, switch gears a little bit here, and and look ahead at the industry specifically within facilities management, mm -hmm. the turnover that is about to have over the next. I've seen statistics out there saying within the next five to seven years, over 50% of current FMs are going to be at the age of retirement. Uh, so there's a huge talent gap that's uh, looming. How, how are you guys addressing that? Uh, is that something that you guys are partnering with organizations in preparation for that? What, what, are, what are your thoughts there? Well, one of the things that we do well, and, and we have many, many collective partnering bargaining agreements with multiple unions, but it's trying to create a pathway for an individual that doesn't necessarily start off at that place of, hey, hey I'm ready to go into an apprenticeship, right? And trying to create as many opportunities as there is possible to get people with disabilities that have the, that have the concern to do so, they have the desire to chase for, for more meaningful employment, getting them exposed to the trades and then starting to work them into formal apprenticeships, right? And, and that's at the technical side, right? But, but the same is true for us even in the management side when you're trying to get into FM management. We have a very aggressive attempt to bring in people out of the service world, in particular out of the armed forces that have been close to the, those trades and convert them into the FM management side. So for us, it's about filling the pipeline and creating a pathway to, to those roles, right? And when you look at specifically people, you know, with disabilities, one in four people in the United States has a disability. And only 17.8% of those people are employed. That's a huge number, right? That, that's a huge population of people that potentially have the desire, aptitude to go to work for, for your organization in some way. But it's just about learning how to tap into them and tap into their potential in creating that pathway for success. And I think that's, you know, if you think about it from that perspective, that's, that's what adds a little shining light, that there's a pool of people that can fit into roles in your organization. And, and rarely does an accommodation for those type of folks cost more than $500. Right. And, and when you think about $500 in context of, of what turnover costs and, and all of those things, it, it's so minuscule in, in the, in the large scheme of things. Right. So the, there's a, there's a passionate group of people ready to be tapped into, you know, that's what we've been about our whole, our whole life as a, as a company. And we, we hope to make everybody else about the same thing. Yeah. And I, I, on that note, so Chris, if I'm listening and you've, you piqued my interest, I see the value there, and I love the cause. How does it work? What are next steps? What what can I do to, to get involved working with Pride? Well, so so right now, if you're listening to this and, and you're looking for a solution, right, at your facility, we're more than willing to offer you, whether it's the full comprehensive service envelope from, from the curb top, from the curb to the rooftop, right, or, or just a, a, one of those service lines, you know, we want to be a part of your service solution. And, 
and by doing so make your make your culture better make your social standing better for your investors but first and foremost and above all is to be there to support your facility's mission your organization's mission and do so with quality excellence and business value so love that yeah so. and and where can people find you where, where can folks reach out to either yourself or, or the folks over at pride well so uh, you know it's real easy prideindustries.com uh, the the folks in our marketing team have done a great job of making that website so intuitive and, and pointing you to the right places not only that, you get to see some of the other great things that Pride does, even beyond beyond what uh, my group does. Um, but you can get in contact with any one of us, get in contact with any one of our folks that can help you find that service solution. Um, but and we look forward to hearing from any and all of you for sure. So. Yeah, and I'll make it easy on everyone and put the uh, a link to uh, the website as well as uh, LinkedIn. Uh, information um, here in the show notes so they can easily find uh, the folks over at Pride Industries. But uh, Chris, before I, I let you go, this is a question I ask everybody, uh, but who or what has had the biggest impact on your career? Wow. Um, wow that's a, that, that's a, there's a lot of folks, right? That's a hard one to pin down. I know, and I do a good job by never prepping anybody, so they always get. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I would really say that uh, I'd actually I'd have to throw a shout out to one of my peers. It's actually a gentleman by the name of Don Nelson. He runs the same line of business for the f federal facilities side, but. Uh, Don is the one that kind of brought me out of the construction world and brought me over to the pride side of the line and, and brought me to pride a little over 10 years ago. And uh, in doing so, he really set up a pathway that, you know, it expanded not only my career, but, you know, my personal, personal horizons. And really, I would have to give that shout out to Don. So. Love that. Yeah we'll, yeah, we'll have to tag him out there and uh, let him know. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Well, Chris, I, I certainly appreciate you making time to come on. Everything you guys are doing over at Pride is amazing. Uh, love hearing the story. Glad we were able to get connected. And once again, uh, thank you for your time coming on the show. Yeah, thanks so much, Griffin. All right. Take care. Uh, you too. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes and visit our website, stratumcommunity.com for more facilities management content.